Welcome to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Tom Swift and His Motorcycle by Victor Appleton. Previously on Tom Swift and His Motorcycle, Chapter 13. Well, basically, Tom got the motorcycle going again and got to town and got some more wire that was most appropriate for the motorcycle. And he started on his way and got caught in a rainstorm. Uh, but the guys that were in the automobile were suspicious. Well, suspicious looking, anyway. And they saw him once Tom finally got to some shelter after the rain and ended up driving away rather than staying for some shelter. So we'll see what happened. Chapter 14. Attacked from Behind. Steadily, the rain came down, the wind driving it under the shed until Tom was hard put to find a place where the drops would not reach him. He withdrew into a far corner, taking his motorcycle with him, and then sitting on a block of wood under the rough mangers where the horses were fed while the farmers attended church, the lad thought over the situation. He could make little of it, and the more he tried, the worse it seemed to become. He looked out across the wet landscape. I wonder if this is ever going to stop, he mused. It looks as if it was in for an all-day pour, yet we ought only have a summer shower by rights. But then I guess what I think about it won't influence the weatherman a bit. <laughs> I might as well make myself comfortable, for I can't do anything. Let's see. If I get to Fordham by 6 o'clock, I ought to be able to make Albany by 9, as it's only 40 miles. So that's, um... Three hours to go 40 miles. I mean, that's not nearly as fast as we're used to nowadays, right? I'll get supper in Fordham and push on. That is, I will if the rain stops. That was the most necessary matter to have happened first, and Tom, arising from his seat, strolled over to the front shed to look out. I believe it is getting lighter in the west, he told himself. Yes, the clouds are lifting. It's going to clear. It's only a summer shower, after all. But just as he said that, there came a sudden squall of wind and rain, fiercer than any which had proceeded. Tom was driven back to his seat on the log. It was quite chilly now, and he noticed that near where he sat, there was a big opening in the rear of the shed where a couple of boards were off. This must be a drafty place in the winter, he observed. If I could find a drier spot, I'd sit there, but... This seems to be the best, and he remained there, musing on many things. Suddenly, in the midst of his thoughts, he imagined he had heard the sound of an automobile approaching. I wonder if those men are coming back here, he exclaimed. If they are, the youth again arose and went to the front of the shed. He could see nothing and came back to escape the rain. There was no doubt but that the shower would soon be over, and looking at his watch, Tom began to calculate when he might arrive in Albany. He was busy trying to figure out the best plan to pursue and was hardly conscious of his surroundings. Seated on the log with his back to the opening in the shed, the young inventor could not see a figure stealthily creeping up through the wet grass, nor could he see an automobile which had come to a stop back of the horse shelter, an automobile containing two rain-soaked men who were anxiously watching the one stealing through the grass. Tom put his watch back in his pocket and looked out into the storm. 
It was almost over. The sun was trying to shine through the clouds, and only a few drops were falling. The youth stretched with a yawn, for he was tired of sitting still. At the moment when he raised his arms to relieve his muscles, something was thrust through the opening behind him. It was a long club, and an instant later it descended on the lad's head. He went down in a heap, limp and motionless. Through the opening leaped a man. He bent over Tom, looked anxiously at him, and then, stepping to the place where the boards were off the shed, he motioned to the men in the automobile. They hurried from the machine and were soon beside their companion. I knocked him out all right, observed the man who had reached through and dealt Tom the blow with the club. Knocked him out? I should say you did, Featherton, exclaimed the one who appeared better dressed than the others. Have you killed him? No, but I wish you wouldn't mention my name, Mr. Appleson. I don't like... Nonsense, Featherton. No one can hear us, but I'm afraid you've done for the chap. I didn't want him harmed. Oh, I guess Featherton knows how to do it, Appleson. Commented the third man. He's had the experience way, Featherton. Yes, Mr. Morse, but if you please, I wish you wouldn't mention... All right, Featherton, I know what you mean, rejoined the man addressed as Morse. Now let's see if we have drawn a blank or not. I think he has with him the very thing we want. Doesn't seem to be about his person, observed Appleson, as he carefully felt about the clothing of the unfortunate Tom. Very likely not. It's too bulky. But there's his motorcycle over there. It looks as if what we wanted was on the back of the saddle. Jove, Featherton. But I think he's coming too. Tom stirred uneasily and moved his, his arms while a moan came from his parted lips. I got some stuff that'll fix him, exclaimed the man addressed as Featherton, and who had been operating the automobile. He took something from his pocket and leaned over Tom. In a moment, the young inventor was still again. Quick now. See if it's there, directed Morse, and Appleson hurried over to the machine. Here it is, he called. I'll take it to our car and we can get away. Are you going to leave him like this? Asked Morse. Yes, why not? Because someone might have seen him come in here and also remember that we too came in this direction. What'd you do? Take him down the road away and leave him. We can find some shed near a farmhouse where he and his machine will be out of sight until we get far enough away. Besides, I don't like to leave him so far from help, unconscious as he is. Oh, you're getting chicken-hearted, said Appleson with a sneer. However, have your way about it. I wonder what's become of Jake Burke. He was meet us in Centerford, but he didn't show up. Oh, I shouldn't be surprised if he had trouble in that tramp rig he insisted on adopting. I told him he was running a risk, but he said he had masqueraded as a tramp before. Ah, so he found out. So he has. He's pretty good at it now. Simpson, if you will. Not Simpson. I thought you agreed to call me Featherton, interrupted the chauffeur, turning to Morris and Appleson. Oh, uh, we did. I forgot this lad menace one day and heard me call you Simpson, admitted Morse. Well, Featherton it shall be. 
but we haven't much time. It stopped raining and the roads will soon be well traveled. We must get away and if we are to take the Ladness machine to some secluded place, we better be at it. No use waiting for Burke. He can look out after himself. Anyhow, we have the model now and there's no use hanging around Swift Shop, as he intended to do waiting for a chance to sneak in after it. Appleson, if you and Simpson, I mean Featherton, will carry young Swift, I'll shove his wheel along to the auto and we can put it and him in. The two men, first looking through the hole in the shed to make sure they were not observed, went out, carrying Tom, who was no light load. Morse followed them, pushing the motorcycle and carrying under one arm the bundle containing the valuable model, which he had detached. I think this is the time we get ahead of Mr. Swift, murmured Morse, pulling his black mustache when he and his companions had reached the car in the field. We have just what we need now. Yes, but we had hard enough working it, work getting it, observed Appleson. Only by luck we saw this lad come in here, or we would have had to chase all over for him, and maybe then we would have missed him. Hurry, Simpson, I, I mean Featherton. It's getting late, and we've got lots to do. The chauffeur sprang to his seat, Appleson taking his place beside him. The motorcycle was tied on behind the big touring car, and with the unconscious form of Tom in the tonneau beside Morse, who stroked his mustache nervously, the auto started off. The storm had passed, and the sun was shining brightly, but Tom could not see it. End of chapter 14. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Storytime with Kurt. You can subscribe to the podcast by going to anchor.fm slash storytime with Kurt. If you want to stay up to date with all recordings moving forward, you can catch the live recording each Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday evening over at twitch.tv slash Kurtstable. That's K-U-R-T-S-T-A-B-L-E. Or follow me on Twitter at V-O by Kurt. If you have suggestions for future books, you can go ahead and send me an email at Kurt at storytimewithkurt.com. See you next time.